This episode is made possible by our sponsors, including our newest Proud Ram Nation podcast sponsor, North Star Liquor Superstore in Johnstown, as well as CSU Ram Zone, powered by the CSU Bookstore, Ginger and Baker, and Peterson Toyota. Coming up October 28th, help Peterson Toyota kick cancer at their annual tailgate fundraiser through Ram Strength. All proceeds from the tailgate help support their CSU scholarship program for students affected by cancer. The tailgate includes a pig roast, sides, wine, beer, non-alcoholic beverages, and more. Tailgate starts at 2 p.m. for the 5 p.m. kickoff. Get your tickets today at www.ramstrength.org slash 2023-tailgate. As you know, Peterson Toyota is a proud RamNation.com sponsor who has served Fort Collins, Loveland, Windsor, and Tinmouth for more than 50 years. Whatever vehicle you're looking for, Peterson's expert staff will help you find the one that is right for you, all at competitive pricing and financing. If you're in the market for a new or used vehicle, please get Peterson Toyota first shot at your business. Thanks. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Ram Nation Radio. I'm Joel Cantalamessa. We've got a great show for you today. I know we're all reeling a little bit from the brutal, brutal performance in Logan, where the Rams went up 17 to nothing and then forgot there was another three and a half quarters to play. Uh, extremely disappointing game. Well, we're going to get a chance to talk through that a little bit with Tyler Shannon, who is a longtime Ram Nation guy, a longtime uh, diehard Ram fan who was at the game. Going to bring him in for a little bit of a Ram Nation uh, fan highlight. And uh, and then after that, he's going to join us with a whole crew. Mike Rowe will be with us and we'll have Kevin Lytle as well as Justin Michael. And we'll do a little bit of a roundtable talking about the game, talking about the state of the football program and much more, plus a rapid fire question and answer. So it'll be really fascinating and a lot of different uh, viewpoints and perspectives. So without further ado, let me welcome in Tyler Shannon, post under the name Bighorn Sheep. He's been a longtime Ram Nationer, one of the best contributors to our message boards. Man, if you're not a member of the Ram Club message board, his good, bad, and ugly recaps after every game are worth donating to CSU to get access to that. He does a great job <laughs> um, during the Be Bold and stadium efforts on campus stadium project. He was kind of a lead figure among Ram fans and was a great resource to uh, kind of give us all the scoop. So I uh, love having guys like that on the podcast and Tyler Thanks for spending a few minutes with us. And Tyler, you were in Logan for the debacle. Didn't look like it was going to be a debacle. It looks like you, you were going to be witnessing a very nice victory. But after the first seven minutes, things got kind of got away. But share with us what it was like, uh, your your road trip there. Yeah, yeah. So we try to go on a, a road trip about once a year, um, at least one. And um, Logan was the, the pick this year because due to lack of great options. So uh, drove out there Thursday night. Uh, we have a good friend that's uh, with us. He's a CSU Ram. Um, he's uh, Air Force Colonel. Um, so he actually got us um, to play uh, the Hills Golf Course there on the Air Force Base in uh, Ogden. So that was pretty cool. We had F or F-35s flying over us while we're making fools of ourselves trying to play a little wacky stick. So, uh, <laughs> but that was it was super cool, super fun. Um, and then um, you know, obviously the the game there on. On Saturday, uh, so we got up and there was a homecoming parade was going on. Most of Logan was shut down for that. Um, so check that out a little bit. Uh, went to a couple bars. They actually do sell some alcohol at some locations there after uh, 1130. So uh, watched some football, drank some beer. Um, 
you know, everybody in Utah, uh, Logan, super nice. Most of the fans we talked to were expecting to kind of get their butts kicked. So that was kind of disappointed we couldn't deliver on that. Um, tons of talk about, you know, the CSU-CU game from Utah State fans. They love cheering for CSU in that. You know, everybody I talked to was hoping we were going to win that and um, hates Coach Prime. And um, kind of it was it kind of felt like a Mountain West gathering there at, against uh, CU there. So that was kind of cool. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I went to stadium stadium is, um, interesting. I would say not what I expected. It's a real pretty spot, but it's kind of like, a, I don't know. It's like a mini stadium. It's like a really, it, it looks like it could be a really big stadium, but everything is just like small. It's like 25,000 people. There were probably 20,000 people there. Um, you know, there's one small little tailgate, area where people are tailgating otherwise it's just you know some parking lots uh, we actually had to park um, in this kind of industrial area right next door um, you know there was a couple dozen um, uh, family player families there we had probably maybe 10 of us that, uh, in total ram fans that traveled out which was pretty disappointing considering it's only seven hours away and we're starting to look good but we really didn't have a whole lot of ram fans there um, weather was nice, uh, 70 degrees, um, concessions were terrible. Um, uh, probably the worst concession situation I've ever seen considering the stadium is pretty new, um, or at least renovated. Uh, yeah, it's like one little spot on the South end, uh, where there's like four lines of concessions of a couple hundred people in each line and some food trucks. It was awful. So I'm glad we ate before. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it's a nice stadium. Um, can't How drink beer. It, uh you said say that one so you can't drink beer you drink beer in it i, I guess uh when they did the renovation the um person that don't put up the money kind of made utah state make a deal that they would at least allow beer in the in a parking lot as part of the or he's not donating the money from some of the fans i heard there but um but yeah no can't drink beer in the stadium so it's like water or soda so how's the town i mean i've been to salt lake i've been to games there i've been to provo Provo is completely dull and boring and uh, not, not your normal tailgate experience. Salt Lake was um, definitely a, a fun tailgate scene. How did Logan compare? Yeah, small little town, cute little town, but there, I mean, there's no nightlife in that town, right? That's just not how it is. And I mean, it's nice. You're not, you're only about an hour from Salt Lake, um, maybe a little bit more. Um, so if you, if, if that's what you, you wanted, that's where you would go, but uh, you know, it's, it's, a, like I said, it's a cute little town. Um, I, you know, it's probably uh, maybe a quarter of the size of Fort Collins though. I mean, they yeah. got this small little downtown area. We walked that in five minutes, you know, they got some nice little rivers and, and things, but um, it's basically a college campus and um, some, you know, ancillary buildings and, and downtown area. That's not very big. So. As far as the game goes, could you, uh, could you feel things slipping away like we could watching on TV? You know, it, it's interesting as I reflect on it, right. Um, that the offense never really got going, you know, I mean, even in the first quarter, they never really got going. Um, you know, you could kind of, you could kind of see you know, looking on the sidelines that, you know, we went up that 17 points and, you know, that place, that stadium was silent, but it was pretty quiet the whole game. But, um, you know, go up 17 points and it almost felt like we got too comfortable that we were going to roll them at that point. 
that then nobody cared to, you know, play other than Mo until he got hurt. So, um, you know, it was, it, you, you could definitely feel it change. And, um, uh, it was, God, it was, it was, I don't know how many times we got to go through this, right. Where we are on like a high and it feels so good. And then, you know, you're like, okay, maybe this is the time that our wind isn't going to be taken out of the sails and boom happened again. Right. Yeah. So. Well, we'll talk more about particulars from the game and yeah. uh, we'll get um, we'll get your opinions along with the, the opinions of the other guys on how that game went and just the overall picture. But I want to ask you some background stuff and you're such a diehard fan and uh, you've been doing it a long time. How did you first fall in love with CSU? Yeah, yeah, I grew up in California. I was one of those transplants. Red came out and uh, came to CSU. I grew up at a vet hospital when I was in high school and came out here to go to the vet program and ended up changing majors after that, but, um, you know, needed to get away from life a little bit, grow up a little bit. So, uh, went for, to an out of state school to do that. Um, and you know, when I started at CSU, we were, we're in the dorms and, um, our RA kind of had a requirement for our, our dorm floor, which was, we're all going to go to the football games and we're all going to go to the volleyball games together as a, as a group, right. Doesn't care what we do outside of that as a group, but those were the things everybody was going to do together. So, um, we all went and we would, you know, run through the dorm halls, trying to get as many other people to come with us from the other dorms as possible. And, um, you know, that was just our thing to be, you know, upfront kind of same way the outlaws are uh, these days. But, uh, you know, be up front, pounding on signs, having as great of a tailgate as we can. And then after graduated, um, that, that experience stuck with me. And um, it's something we do today, try to get as many friends as we can to come out and enjoy some time together away from, you know, the craziness of life, if you will. And, uh, and you know, I just I value that. I love Fort Collins. Hard to leave here. So what era was that? Was uh, were, were we OK yeah. at that time? Yeah, that was 99 through 03 when I started. So that good, was, that good, was a good time. That was Matt Newton uh, to yeah. Van Pelton. Yeah. So that's a good time. That's a good time. Yeah. But what, what was your favorite memory of from that stretch or overall, I guess? Um, you know, my favorite memory is probably um, both then and now is just going to away games, to be honest. Right. You, you kind of get that tight camaraderie of, of people that you always see there at those games. Right. That are diehard fans. Um, you get to see different places that you probably would never go to, to be honest. You get to experience um, other big time college football. You get to, you know, compare that to how we do things back home here. Um, it's always a great time. Uh, I think we kind of do a good job of escaping the rigmarole of, of daily life a little bit. And just, you know, like I said, playing golf or, or what have you, things that you don't have a lot of time to do when you're chasing kids and work and all that kind of good stuff. So, um, and you get to, you know, you know, you talked about stadium a little bit, right? You get to see some of the coolest stadiums out there and, and, um, and it's again, how we compare and, um, how we do things versus how they do things and, you know, tailgate all day. If you want at a lot of locations or, uh, go grab beers, go to breweries. Um, and our alumni association does a great job too, of, of getting people together and making sure that, um, it's always a good time. So I love those away games, those experiences, um, went to the paradise jam, uh, in St. Thomas a couple of years ago, that was awesome. Right. And you also get to know some of the, a lot of the players too, and, and hear their experiences. Um, talk to, you know, admin within CSU a lot too. So it just kind of helps bring people together. And those are some of my best experiences. I love that. Yeah. Cause I mean, yeah. that's, that's me, you and me both. I, something, something cool about going on the, 
going on the road to watch your team, especially, um, you know, when you get to mingle with other fans and it's just kind of a, kind of becomes a tight group and you, I don't know, it's just, there's something about that and you get to experience, like you said, places that you haven't normally seen or would probably never go. You probably aren't going to travel to Logan, Utah and on your own. No, I, I, you know, I always wanted to go, but you know, wasn't something that was high on my list. Right. Um, right. But you know, go see what they're like. So, yeah. What's uh, what do you think your favorite uh, football trip has been? Um, probably Bama for sure. Although Arkansas really surprised me, but I mean, Bama, you get the whole experience, right? It, it is awesome. Um, but I, uh, Arkansas really, really surprised me. I did, you know, I expected Florida to, to be awesome and Gainesville's a freaking dump and I would never go back there and the temperature and there was nothing I enjoyed about that trip. Um, and Arkansas, I expected that to be a trip that I was going to regret going. Um, uh, but Oh, we had a great time. It was, it was so much fun in that stadium and university is so nice. And yeah, that's cool. Well, like I said, when I was introducing you, um, you were a, a big figure in the be bold movement when, uh, Jack Graham was spearheading the on-campus stadium. And, yeah. uh, was that like roughly 2015 when all that was going on and ultimately mm -hmm. opened in 2017? How did you get involved? Well, part of it was you, you jerk. Uh, <laughs> to some degree right? we had a, a few of us who you know we were tired of of SOSU's really take making crap up and and taking up all taking all the oxygen in the air right on with a bunch of of worthless and and um, meaningless um, debates to be honest um, so you know there were a few of us that got together and thought you know what can we do to change the conversation a little bit and I was kind of hoping it was going to be you that, you know, as a face around nation that was going to uh, be willing to be the face of, of this, but I know you had some family obligations and stuff going on at the time. So I kind of decided I would, I would step up to the plate with regards to that. And I didn't realize I was what I was getting myself into, but, and uh, certainly a time of my life that I'm sure my wife uh, would rather she had back, but um, you know, originally this really started um, right when Jack was hired uh, I had reached out to him with an email and just, you know, gave him some thoughts and my concerns of what I'd like to see change in the athletic department. Something I'd never done in the past was reach out to the athletic director, but uh, he seemed different. So thought I'd reach out to him. And uh, about 30 minutes later, I get an email back and said, if you're going to be at the um, University of Northern Colorado for CSU basketball game at UNC, I'd love to meet you guys at Buffalo Wild Wings and hear your thoughts and sit down and there was about 10 of us that went to that game and both Jack and Ginger came and we sat and chatted for three hours before the game and um, kind of developed a relationship ever, ever since. And, um, and that blossomed into um, relationships with other members of the athletic department um, and conversations um, within the administration and, and, you know, big donors and all that kind of stuff too. So, um, you know, I, it, uh, it was a means to an end, a means to, take the conversation away from CSU a little bit and put the conversation on other people and, and other things so that CSU could focus on getting this damn stadium built, to be honest. Um, and, um, you know, I'm, I'm glad where it ended up, probably not super happy about some of the things I might've done or said in order to uh, make things happen, said more than done, but um, you know, I, there were things going on on both sides. that was just beyond ridiculous, to be honest. So, yeah. That's for sure. Um, well, so so that's I mean, I know a lot of people came to know you 
during that stretch, just because you were a great source of information. And, mm-hmm. and I know that you probably had a great relationship with Jack and a lot of that was coming from him, but you, you also are a great, I mean, you're one of my the guys that I track on Ram nation a lot because you've got great insights and good takes. And, but you also are, as you know, we've got some negative Nancy's and, and you, uh, it's understandable. We we've stunk for too long in football and it's, it's easy to agree to get angry about it and and we have a lot of angry fans right now but a lot of people target the so-called sunshine pumpers like i guess i'm probably lumped into that i think you are because you like to look on the good side of things and i think you also are very critical when it needs to be as well but um a lot of people would say that you are like a a mouthpiece for the athletic department would you like to talk about that and say i mean i think people honestly think yeah. that, that that joe parker is feeding you talking points to, to well basketball. i can tell you that's not the case that's 100 percent not the case i don't talk to joe hardly at all except when i'm you know i see him when i'm at games and stuff and it's it's generally very brief so um no i, I think you know i think part of that experience of um the be bold stuff right i, I was uh, brought in a little bit to understand some of the inner workings of how the athletic department works right and how csu works and a few other things right and um I just, I think it's, the grass isn't always greener on the other side, right? I think that it is very easy to make a lot of assumptions of how somebody and how certain things should be done, right? But a lot of things are not as easy as they are said. So um, there's a lot of politics within CSU. If if people don't understand that, they need to spend a little time at CSU (laughs) because there is a ton of politics, right? Um, there is a, not everything is as black and white and, and that's not just with CSU, that's with any athletic department, right? Um, there's a ton of different, uh, places that money comes through and, and moves around. Um, there's a lot of mouthpieces and, um, I see some of our, our, uh, friends here joining. Um, there's a lot of people with a lot of opinions and, um, a lot of, um, you know, whether it's through social media or, uh, reporters or what have you, um, you always got to make sure you're uh, careful with that line. And um, we are fans, in my opinion, right? And our job is to um, support our university first, right? We can have critical conversations. And I do have critical conversations with people within the athletic department regularly, right? As you have you and as of Mike, and um, I don't know, I know a lot of people who have that, right? Um, but that doesn't need, in my opinion, that doesn't need to live on the outside, right? We can bring that on the inside to make things better, And to, you know, that's the only way we're going to improve if all we're doing is constantly ratting on our athletic department and making our football team and and, uh, basketball team and all these other groups, um, you know, feel bad about themselves and feel and, you know, feel negative about what's going on. um, That's what they're going to believe. And that's what everybody's going to believe. And recruits are going to believe that um, coaches are going to believe that are, you know, who's going to want to be the athletic director for a university that um, their own fans think they suck right all the time which you know sure that the score you know might dictate that to some degree um but let's be honest a lot of this is you know in inches the difference between a win and a loss right um you know one player doing one thing different is the difference right and you know i want to be a part of a athletic department and a uh, university that really really pushes towards um excellence um and i think as a fan we have a responsibility to show that as well so really well said pal and uh hope you keep up the good fight because we 
it's easy to be negative, like I said, and uh, we need we need more guys like you that uh, can keep a level head when things are going uh, poorly. And uh, appreciate the good commentary you give us every day on the boards. And uh, thanks for joining us today. For sure. All right, let me pause real quick and tell you about our newest Ram Nation podcast sponsor, North Star Liquor Superstore, located on Thompson Parkway in Johnstown. It's right across the roundabout from Shields. They have the area's largest selection of beer, wine, spirits, and cigars. They've regularly got great specials going on, which you can always find online, along with new arrivals, staff picks, tasting event information, and a lot more, all at NorthStarLiquorStore.com. Check out their huge selection in-store or online and order delivery or curbside pickup. First-time customers receive 10% off their first online order. Stock up for your homecoming tailgate, as we all may need a lot of booze. But stop in to North Star Liquor Superstore, a proud supporter of the Ram Nation podcast. And you know how much we love Ginger and Baker, two great restaurants, The Cash, which features great wines, bourbons, steaks, and chops, while the cafe restaurant has all my personal comfort food favorites, plus great event spaces, a market, bakery, and of course, the teaching kitchen. They've got great events all month long, every month, including the upcoming class, October 25th, called Spooky Cocktails with Dry Ice, paired with Ginger and Baker's Classic Bites. That's where you'll learn from Ginger and Baker's in-house cocktail expert how to make Halloween-themed drinks paired with some of their classic appetizers. It's one of many classes they have available this month, and there's a bunch of other events, and I'm talking like 27 events throughout the course of the month. So check out gingerandbaker.com calendar for a full list of cooking classes and other events. This place is amazing, guys. Support our friend Ginger Graham and treat yourself to a world-class experience at our favorite place, Ginger and Baker. All right, happy to now bring in my cohort, Mike Rowe as well as DNVR, CSU beat writer, Justin Michael, as well as Kevin Lytle from the Four Collins, Colorado. And we're with uh, all the insiders. So it's awesome to have these guys. And uh, it's a good time to have you because everyone is trying to make sense of what the hell happened on Saturday night. And Logan, Justin, I've listened to your recaps of it. And I've read Kevin, read yours, actually read yours too, Justin. So I know kind of where you stand, but would love to kind of get us all in a room here, so to speak. And really kind of figure out how in the world did that happen? How do we explain the horrific collapse that happened after going up 17 to nothing against, uh, you know, I guess an unknown Utah State team? It didn't seem like uh, it seemed like a good year to, to, to catch them. Now we've lost five years in a row, which is kind of hard for me to believe, considering the history of this this uh, rivalry. It's not even a rivalry. I wouldn't even consider it a rivalry. But the, the years that we have played, I would have never in a million years thought we would have lost five years in a row to this football program. Kevin, you were there. Why don't we start with you? What were your impressions from the fiasco? Yeah, I mean, it was just wild kind of witnessing in person. You go from first quarter. I mean, you, there were Utah State boos um, in that first quarter toward their team, which I don't think is a thing you get in Logan a lot. Uh, they don't feel like a quick to turn uh, in anger on their team type of crowd. And, and then it felt like in the blink of an eye, it was the exact opposite. You know, it, it felt pretty quickly that got out of hand. And it was just, you know, coaches love talking comp complimentary football. It was the opposite of that, of doing everything to make the situation worse on almost every side of the ball, certainly offensively, defensively. Just a complete avalanche of of mistakes uh, in every way and at the worst times. And any time after the first quarter that CSU needed a big play, uh, the opposite happened. So just a 
just like I say, I, I don't really have any better way to describe it other than an avalanche of mistakes that, that really just overwhelmed them. Justin? Yeah, I mean, I, I've watched the game twice now, and I think the second time was even more confusing than the first time. Kevin's pointed out online, just when you look at some of the numbers, there's a lot about that game that doesn't make sense just in terms of forcing four turnovers, getting six sacks. He generated a ton of pressure. But just the big plays, I mean, it, it it's a huge problem for this defense. Obviously, they haven't really lived up to to expectations, but I think the, the biggest thing that's just been frustrating these last couple of weeks is the inconsistencies we see with this team. Like you see them have these hot starts a couple weeks in a row. And I don't know if it's playing with their food or if they're getting too cute, like starting to feel themselves a little too early or stuff like that, but it's, it's baffling. And it's frankly, this, this team has too much talent to lose the way that they did in that game. And I understand the frustration. I'll say that. Mike, I haven't talked to you about this yet. Well, uh, bad coaching on offense, bad coaching on defense, and and horrible quarterback play. I think that's what happened last week. That that that's my hot take on this whole thing. Um, wasn't God wasn't impressed on either side of the ball for the most part, and and Braden took uh, it's a bad time for Braden to take that you know freshman freshman dive. Uh, but it happened. Um, God, yeah, it happened. So it's tough to watch. It was, it was tough to watch. It's very reminiscent of the, of the Washington state game. What's concerning to me is we kind of all expected one of these games from, from BFN, you know, he had played pretty, pretty well. He had had some turnovers, you know, in his previous games, but he had made up for it just cause he makes, big plays. He's been able to, to hit receivers downfield. Uh, he's been a good leader. Uh, he's brought some energy to the offense. So you kind of thought there was going to be an opportunity for him to lay an egg like this, but you would hope that the rest of the team could have picked him up a little bit. And um, they didn't, obviously, as, as Kevin said, there was no complimentary football. The offense couldn't stay on the field. Would we have nine straight possessions with a punt? Defense was out there way too long. And then when you put that defense out there, they've shown that they're just not going to stay consistent through the course of a game. And there was a lot of huge plays that, that got us behind the eight ball, obviously, and, and gave up way too many points, way too many yards. So question for me. So the, the blame game has been going on from our fans, right? Uh, our fans have gone on a rampage uh, the lot since the game, uh, the night of the game through the night of the games, cleaning up the board, the message boards were really bad. Uh, and then in the last couple of days, just everyone's wanting someone fired, someone to be benched, someone to be kicked off the team. Uh, Mike and I should never do another podcast because we apparently kiss Joe Parker's butt and make him complacent. Um, <laughs> BFN should lose a starting job. Jay Norvell pulled the wool over all of our eyes and he's not the right coach anymore. So, I mean, it's uh, the people have just gone off the deep end. Uh, in your guys' opinion, how worried should fans be after that performance? Would you think it was just a kind of a, one of those weird instances where it's maybe just a blip? We're not as close as we thought to, to maybe turn the corner. This is, this is what I call a reality check situation, which is like most fans expected this to be a five, six or seven win team, right? Which means you got to lose seven, six or five games right in a season right so th this was definitely a game that i think in order to make a bowl game you probably needed to win right but at the end of the day 
right? What I saw was a coaching staff that thought that the team had turned the corner to be able to put in a bunch of backups, right? And they weren't ready. So, uh, you know, what, what really surprised me is when I'm sitting in the stands, right? And after a, a couple series of our starting defense being out there, they had the entire second string defense in there for a series, right? And they fell apart, right? And then you put the starters uh, back in the next series, right? And you have a guy like Aiden Hecker, Hector who completely blows the coverage, right? And then the next series, instead of, you know, getting in one player, they put the entire second string defense in again, it seemed, right? So I think that a, the coaching staff felt like they were further along with this team's ability to go into conference play and have a ton of depth. And at the end of the day, it wasn't there. And then all of a sudden, you got Tory Horton who gets hurt, right? And then, uh, you know, a few series later on defense, Mo Camara gets hurt. And now your best players are out, right? And now somebody's got to step up. And they're so used to the fact that, you know, you're up 17 points. You're starting to just go through the motions thinking you're, you're going to roll everybody or roll Utah State. And now you're losing momentum. And guys aren't ready to step up because they, they blew all their energy. And, and it's, you know, at that point, it's just falling apart. I mean, I think it was definitely a big old piece of humble pie in terms of this team is not a championship contender. They just are not nearly consistent enough, despite the top end talent that they have on the the roster. I, I don't know. I think we tend to get far too reactionary, both positive and negative when it comes to college football. It's the dumbest sport and it's the least consistent sport. Um, this was a disaster. There's really no other way to put it. It doesn't really change my outlook that much other than I think it's clear they're, you know, below some of those top tier teams in the league, the Air Force, Fresno States and, and Wyoming's of the world. You hope that you can be in the mix with Boise State. Obviously, we'll have to see what happens this weekend. But I, I, I don't know. The expectation for me was to make a bowl game. I still think you need to make a bowl this year. And obviously that path became more challenging but you're going to have to steal one of these games, whether it's UNLV, Boise State, and you got to win the winnable ones because to me, Nevada, Hawaii, San Diego State, who I've been down on since the beginning, that's three wins to me, or it, it should be. So if you can steal one of the the other ones, you know, we'll see. Uh, but yeah, I, I think it was a, a little bit of a reality check. This team isn't quite where we thought it would be. I, I will say the people acting as if there's been no progress whatsoever. I don't get that at all. I mean, the offense has been night and day, the O-line it's, it's clear. They clearly have talent as well. I mean, you see the way the D-line can get after the QB week after week, but they just have to find a way to get that consistency. And that's on the coaching staff, I suppose. So, I, I mean, we, we got to see this team figure it out. I don't know if it's a mentality, but I do think they're going to make some changes as far as, Young guys getting playing time, you know, Tyler brought up Aiden Hector. He's a guy who's really struggled of late in coverage. I think you're going to see more TJ Crandall. I think you're going to see more Jalen Gardner and some of these young freshmen. I don't know if you're going to see the entire second all at one time, but clearly you can't keep doing the same thing you're doing because it's just not producing results. So I don't think staff changes are coming. I, I don't think staff changes make sense, but I do think they're they're going to have to shake some things up in terms of personnel. What do you think, Kev? Yeah, I'm, uh, you know, echo a lot of what Justin said. I think, yeah, if you were thinking this was a championship team, then, yeah, it's a, a pretty, you know, harsh slap in the face. Uh, but it's a, 
the thing I've been thinking of, and it's one of those intangible type things that's hard to put a number on. There's very, very few guys on this team that have won at the college level. Tory Horton was, you know, a piece of a pretty good Nevada team. Obviously, you're the North Dakota State guys, you know, won at a really high level in FCS. But you look up and down that roster, there are not many guys that have succeeded. And, you know, it's sort of one of those chicken or egg things of, you know, do you have to learn how to succeed to succeed or do you have to succeed? And that's how you learn how to consistently do it. You know, it's, I, you know, no one can really put a finger on that. But I think that's where some of this inconsistency comes from of, uh, yeah, you have, you know, a number of veterans playing important roles, but you have a lot of young guys. And even those veterans, again, haven't put together, you know, 12 games of good football in their careers. Um, and and I think we're seeing some of that roller coaster. And, and you know, to Justin's point, college football is just crazy. You know, you have 18 to 22 year old kids playing a, a pretty wild sport and there's a lot of up and down. And so um, <clears throat> I think we'll probably talk, you know, big picture expectations some more. But um, I still think, uh, you know, I've said six and six before. I'm going to keep going with it. Definitely a little bit more concerned about that now. But uh, like Justin said, you know, you have to get those those winnable ones. You have to get, you know, if CSU loses to Boise and UNLV over the next two weeks, you know, then, then you know, your window is almost closed and there's a lot more worry. And those are obviously two very tough games. Um, but, yeah, I think it's a team that has increased the talent, you know, from a couple years ago. Uh, increased depth a little bit, but the depth isn't, you know, right to where you want it and still hasn't figured out the week to week way to perform, um, you know, similarly every time. And, and that's tough to do, but you know, they've got to, got to figure it out. And, you know, within games, I think, you know, kind of to Tyler's point, you have to find ways to break these funks, both offensively and defensively. Like, yeah, you, you know, you're not going to have 60 great minutes every week, you know, unless you're, you know, even Georgia doesn't do that, but instead of nine drives in a row or whatever it was, you got to find a way out of it and, and stop it earlier. And likewise, defensively, you're going to give up plays. I mean, they're good offenses out there, but you have to minimize, you know, the, the impact. So I think that's where this team really needs to grow is um, they're both sides of the ball. They're pretty boom or bust. Um, they need to, to level it out a little bit. Thoughts on uh, Braden Fowler, Nicolosi it may seem silly to, to say, Hey, are we sure this is the guy after one bad game, but it, it was that bad of a game that maybe you, you pause a little bit and like, Hmm, as good as we thought he was going to be for CSU. That was really concerning. Um, I I'm, I'm certainly not there. I, I think this was a, um, I, I like him as a quarterback. He he's young. Uh, I think this was a, a situation where the, the whole, the whole team had a meltdown. It was a snowball effect for the whole team. There was no leadership when things got started going downhill nobody stepped up to kind of stop that snowball effect right so uh but Braden certainly did not have it and you could tell that pretty early on in the game and considering the way he's played in second halves this year I think it was warranted to give him um an opportunity to to come out in that third quarter and see what you have but uh would you have as bad as things were going would you have benched him just to see if someone else gave you a spark I, I wouldn't have I can tell you that right now uh, you know a lot. Sure, he had a bad game, and his fundamentals were off significantly. Right, that's something that a young quarterback is going to have to learn how to correct. Right, but he wasn't getting a whole hell of a lot of help either. I mean, sure, he had, you know he 
threw some passes that were kind of behind, but they were catchable passes that, you know, guys should have had. Right. And he needs guys to step up. Everybody knows that he is the, one of the most experienced, inexperienced players on that field right now. Right. And you need guys when Tory goes down, you need, you know, uh, justice Ross Simmons or a, or a Brown to step up and be the next guy. And they didn't right? Holker, you know, I can tell you for a fact, just watching the game, right. His, most of his family was up in the stands and there were many plays where he's looking up into the stands after he does something, whether the ball's coming his way or not. Right. His head was not in the game in my opinion. Right. Mm. And I did not expect him or I, it was not a surprise when he fumbled that ball. Right. Because I could tell that his head was not in the game. Right. There were multiple guys who they just did not seem like their heads were in the game when they would come off the field. So um, and you can't have that. Right. And some of that is coaching, to be honest, coaches have got to recognize that and they got to make quick fixes. Right. And couldn't really where I was sitting, didn't really have a good vantage point of, of how coaches were, were coaching guys and talking with guys. But um, there, there was definitely some distraction going on. There was definitely some um, I felt like while a lot of our wide receivers were running 80 percent out there. Right. Um, there was just not that desire to. OK. Corey's out, it's time to step it up, right? And when you have a quarterback that's struggling, um, because guys are going to struggle sometimes, if you don't have guys that step up and, and take them under their wing and say, oh, you know, I'll, 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 I got your back on this, um, you're going to lose by 40, by 20 points. So, Mike? Yeah, um, I, I made the mistake of getting on the board message board in the second <laughs> quarter. Me too. You and me both. <laughs> Right? Dumb. Just dumb. But I, I, I just saw so much vitriol towards Braden, and he's not BVP, and he sucks, and we need to make a change and all this stuff. Well, I went back. You look at – you look at for Joel and I, for you and I, you know, we followed this team a lot the last 30 years. You look back at the multiple-year starters, and Braden looks like he's going to be a starter for three or four years. You have Moses – you have BVP, you have Grayson, and you have Nick Stevens, right? You look, you know, I go back to, to Moses' sophomore year. You know, it was his first year. He was he's trading time with with Darren Wilkinson. We won the black title that year, but we lost home to Mexico, to a bad New Mexico team. And Moses started that game. And I remember, I remember kind of joking or telling somebody, I was like, man, we got it. We got a Mexican starter at quarterback. Being pretty happy about that, pretty proud. And then one of his first passes gets picked off. I joked with somebody saying, "Ah, oh, no, he must be Puerto Rican." <laughs> and but he he had a bad game, and we lost. We lost bad to a, a four win New Mexico team at home. You know, you look at you look at Bradley, and he talked about it with us last month about his his first year. And how he was not a good quarterback. His second start was against Louisville. You remember that game? It was seven to two. Yeah. He threw three interceptions. He threw three interceptions, had a fumble, lost the fumble, and threw for 87 yards. We had like 150 yards total. He was horrible. He was horrible that game. You look at you look at Grayson, you know, TJ McPeak started a lot. I completely forgot that guy. But him and Connor Smith, when they were sophomores, went back and forth. But when he, he became the starter, that Tulsa game, he had two picks, and we looked like crap, and everybody's like, 
We need to put in Connor Smith. We need to put in Connor Smith. We lost to San Jose State a few weeks later. We need to put in Connor Smith. And then he just tore it up for the next game. You know, you look you look at Nick Stevens. Back to Utah State, we got smoked 18 to 33 uh, against them. He was 20, he was 21 for 46 passing. You turn we got blown out. But all those guys, what they all have in common is every young starter. And then they found what it took to put up numbers and to win games. And for those that are just blasting Braden right this is the fifth start. He's three and two as a starter. Now, he's got to clean it up. That was one of the things I talked about last week. He's got to clean it up. He's got to clean up those, those turnovers, and he's got to start forcing it. He's got to – there's a lot of – he had something need for He instead went for the big play, and it wasn't working. Uh, but Tyler's point, we need some receivers that need to make plays, and we need some play calling that tries to call him down other than a dive on first day every time. Well, I agree. It wasn't all on Braden, but I think for me, I just the way – you could just tell over an extended period of time in that game, he wasn't hitting water if he fell out of a boat. And, uh, and I just thought that I would have been okay. I would have liked to have seen them say, Hey, let's try clay. Let's try Jackson, anybody. Uh, let's see if someone can give a spark. I, at that point, there was nothing to lose. If you ask me, I, I, I would have gone with a change not to create any sort of quarterback controversy. It was just a one-time, hey, can someone come in here and give us a spark? This is not like someone's going to steal the, the starting job or anything like that. I just thought that we needed to do something. You see coaches that kind of have that magic touch where they they aren't afraid to make a change, you know, if something's going that bad and you really need a, you can sense that your team needs a spark. I, I would have gone, I would have tried something. I, I just, you could just tell the game wasn't going to change with him under center and, uh, at, you know, Third middle middle through the middle of the way through the third quarter, I would have pulled a, pulled, made a change. Kevin, Justin, you guys not on board with that? I wouldn't have made a change personally. I think he needs the reps, um, especially the game reps. I, I get what you're saying in terms of providing a spark, but I think the coaching staff kind of already used that move with going to BFN week two, and I think you walk a fine line when it comes to that type of stuff. You want to be bold and you want to be aggressive, but you also don't want to be erratic. And frankly, there were times, you know, Mike brought up uh, Nick Stevens. There were times throughout his tenure where I felt like Bobo was almost manufacturing a quarterback controversy, just go, going back and forth between Coleman key and Stevens. And there was a third guy in that rotation at one point. I, I don't remember, but I, I just think at the end of the day, he's a redshirt freshman. He has less than six career starts. He needs those reps. You've already established that you don't believe Clay Millen is that guy. Like you would not have pulled him after week one. You wouldn't have said you don't like the look in his eye if you weren't already basically, you know, I guess you wouldn't have done all this if you weren't ready to move on. So I don't understand what the point of bringing Clay in. Maybe you, someone like Jackson Brousseau, he's a, a Utah kid. I'm sure he had family there too. You see what he could do, but I mean, if he does lead him to victory, then you do kind of have a controversy and you can just kind of create more drama than it's worth. And 
frankly, I, I just I don't think there was any move that was going to happen that was going to change the the direction of that game once it turned south. That's just my opinion, though. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I wouldn't have made the move. I think he's so young. You've clearly kind of put your eggs in his basket, at least for for this season. Uh, he needs reps. You know, part of what Norvell said um, after the game was, you know, it's one thing talking about what he's going to see. It's a different thing seeing it. And, you know, I kind of equate where he's at right now to like a, a young pitcher. You know, you'll see a pitcher come in, maybe have some success either early in a game or early in their career. And then, you know, the book is out on them a little bit and, and hitters adjust and then they have to counter adjust. That's kind of where we're at with with BFN. You know, he'd been a lot of that crossing short stuff against man coverage. They'd really been carving teams up. Well, Utah State said we're not doing that threw some zones at them, some funky looks that he hadn't really seen. And, you know, they had planned for it, talked about it. And, but again, when you have such limited experience, again, it's easy to, to watch tape and whatnot, but actually seeing it live. And I think he needed, he needs every bit of those live reps to try and learn and figure it out. Um, it's a crappy way to learn sometimes, but I think important way to learn. And especially, I think in some ways, if you were to make a move, you'd be putting whoever, behind him is in a bad spot too. You know, Torrey was out of the game. The offense was disjointed, you know, especially if you were going to turn to Brousseau, you, you'd kind of be dumping the kid in, in rough seas without a lifeboat. And even for Clay, like you say, I mean, Justin, they've, you know, they've kind of made the move to, to move on. I think you have to ride out with BFN, let him get that experience, those reps against things he hadn't seen before, um, get that mental memory to, to figure it out. It's, like I say, tough learning, but I think necessary learning. Joel, just one more point. I, I think the answer about BFN is on the Boise State game, right? How does he respond to this, right? How does he, you know, come back out there, get his fundamentals back where they're supposed to be? How does he, you know, whether Tory's in or not, right? How does he find other receivers? How does he take that next step? Because I think if he comes out versus Boise State, right, and all of a sudden you got you got him throwing three touchdowns, 300 or whatever, right? You know, back to 60, 70% completion percentage, right? What you found is you found a guy who has a bad game, learns from it, moves on. And you, that's how, you know, you have a great quarterback, right? If he comes out and he, he plays just as bad as he played the other day, that's when you have to start having some question marks. Yeah. I think that's true for the whole team. Honestly. I mean, if they come out and get walloped by Boise, then I think to answer the earlier question of, are they further away than we thought, you know, that would be a yes, but I think there's a way, even in a loss where they could be really competitive and respond well, um, that you go, okay, like, you know, maybe they're learning. It's, you know, it's rough, but um, I think your, your point about BFN and I think it goes for a whole team is really true. We're going to learn a lot about the, mental makeup of this group on Saturday night. Good stuff. Um, all right. So quickly, what, there's a lot of things uh, that are concerning about this team. What would you say in your opinion is the most concerning start with you, Kev? Uh, I'm going to cheat and go with two. I think defense, the explosive plays um, I've uh, talking to a bunch of people this week, talked to Freddie Banks today about it all, but um, some numbers are pretty staggering. Um, CSU has allowed 16 rushes of 15 yards or more this year. They've allowed 26 passive passes of 20 yards or more. Uh, 10 of the 21 touchdowns the defense allowed are 20 yards or more. Um, five of them are 45 yards or more. Just huge, huge plays. 
Um, so obviously it kind of goes without saying, but got to figure that out. And then my other one, just CSU is turning it over too much. Norvell teams tend to protect the ball well. Um, and that has not been the case. Obviously the vast majority of that is on the quarterback play, but you just cannot be turning it over at the rate they are to win at any high level. So, so the defense explosive plays and, and turnovers are my two things. Justin. Uh, pass coverage would probably be my biggest thing. You have a lot of experience in that secondary and they've just looked lost at times. Uh, and, and I don't know. It's just very disappointing to see the drop off in play. They've looked slow. Um, the tackling has been an issue. So I think there are a lot of things you could point out and then just kind of going back to what I said earlier, just the lack of consistency. I think that's a mentality issue. I, I do think that they're still in that process of, I don't know. I don't want to get too dramatic, but just like exercising some demons, you know, getting rid of the the losing mentality, losing culture that's plagued this program multiple years. I think that's a process that kind of has some highs and lows. And as Mike talked about with, you know, I think the Tulsa and San Jose State games under McElwain are great examples of that. It's it's easy to abandon all hope after you, you know, start to buy in because all of a sudden you have this repeat letdown performance that feels ex- exactly like the past. But I-, I just wanted to see more consistency from this team. I think the fact that we're almost halfway through the season and we haven't seen them play a four-quarter game, that's an issue. Michael? Yeah, you know, I talked about that last week. Uh, I mean, what Justin just hit on, both like learning how to win. You know, it's it's not as easy as people think and everyone – What's the point of Boulder? You know, yes, there are teams that get a new coach and they win automatically. We were in a pretty bad spot. Uh, You know, what Bobo and and Adazio did, not only to the program, but to the culture in there. I mean, it it, it is a total rebuild. Um, Not excusing what's going on. it has to change. I mean, Norvell has to figure this out. I haven't been impressed with, again, going back to the play calling in Washington State and going back to it on, on Saturday. I mean, it was it was automatic. The first down, we're going to run it right up the middle. And it was exactly like what we did against Washington State. It, it was weird to me how we went empty backfield for almost the entire first half against Utah Tech. And against Utah, a a team that we should have worked on trying to establish a running game and really worked on that. And and we went, you know, straight passing the entire half where in this game, it's like, Hey, let's, let's really try to establish the run now instead of doing what is, has worked for us through the first four games. Um, And it's just like that stubbornness of, of like, you know what? It's still, yeah, we've lost all momentum it's the third quarter. Let's just keep rolling this out here. Um, and then we played up-tempo teams. Every team that we've played has been an up-tempo team. And for us to look so lost on defense, uh, like, man, it's, it's, y- you wonder why, like what's, what's going on that we look so lost. There's uh, on third, third and long. I mean, that first touchdown to start the second half, it was third and 11, the 76-yard touchdown. And then I think we had another third and long, 50-yard touchdown. It, it, it's I, – I don't I don't know what's going on with, with our defensive backs. I don't know what's going on with our defense, but 
it's almost like if we don't get a sack, we're in trouble. Tyler, what's concerning you the most? You know, I don't want to rehash what's already been said because I agree with all of it, but um, so I'm going to go a little different direction. I'm going to say the lack of depth on this team. You know, we are so reliant on Tory and Holker and BFN to play well. And, you know, I actually thought Chiggy and, um, and TJ Crandall played pretty well for the most part in that game. You know, they were off balance on a couple, a uh, couple jumps there, but um, they played pretty well. But the minute they were gone, I mean, your whole defensive back crew was fell apart. Right. So I think we are so reliant on some specific guys that makes me concerned, not just for the rest of the season, but that makes me concerned for next season. Now I understand we can, you know, bring in transfers and all that kind of stuff. Right. But we are building this team from the ground up, bringing in so many young guys. Right. And um, outside of Crandall, to be honest, I don't, Oh man, there's not a, a lot I'm real excited about other than BFN and Crandall. So, um, you know, they have obviously got time to to build that up and to get better. Um, but I was really hoping that there's going to be some guys here. Um, you know, where's the where's our tight end from? Was it DuPage that uh, you know six seven? You know, basically a wide receiver that's a tight end. Yet I don't even think he's seen the field hardly. Right. Um, you know, I was expecting a lot of these guys to really be guys that could take pressure off a of Tory, pressure off a of Mo um, on the defensive line standpoint. You know, Newer's playing great, but, you know, I don't think he still had a sack. Um, it's just, God, it's just, it feels like we got a huge lack of depth and it fell apart this weekend. So, well, those are all valid for me. I will say the sloppiness. I mean, the, um, the penalties are awful. The turnovers that you, you mentioned, Kevin, um, that's so, so I looked this up dead last in penalties a game, 129th out of 130 FBS teams in penalty yards a game. We're averaging 9.6 penalties a game and 89.4 yards in penalties per game. Our opponents, as a comparison, are six penalties a game for 57 yards. But that's coming off a year where we weren't very good last year either in that department, 111th in penalties. Um, and then the turnovers. Um, it, it, the turnovers were we have 15 lost turnovers. That's dead last in the country. <laughs> so, um, you know, it kind of looked at Jay's past at Nevada. Uh, it looked like his best season as term in terms of penalties go was 74th in the country. I think that was his second or third year, something like that. So I'm wondering if this is a case of a tiger not being able to change his stripes, but this is a major problem for this team right now. If you look at why we're two and three right now, you can look at those two things. Those are, those can drastically change a game. And um, so, so that's, that's my biggest thing. Obviously you guys, all, most of you mentioned the defense and the gashes in the defense. Um, and that that's also concerning too. I just want to ask you, what's uh, what do you think, or what would you attribute it to? And and Kevin, you talked to Coach Banks. What what is he saying about it? Yeah, it's been kind of interesting talking to to folks about this week. It's um obviously a lot of things because uh, clearly, you know, I'm not saying there's the most talented you know defense in the nation or anything like that, but it's not just a bunch of bad players, and some of that shows up of. You know, the sack numbers, they're forcing a decent amount of turnovers. So, so there are some playmakers out there, but they're losing focus, losing attention to detail on, you know, key times, key moments. Uh, Freddie brought up an interesting point that I hadn't looked at in, until he mentioned I when brought up uh, the stats or looked up the stats of, you know, th they kind of have to operate a little differently than last year, you know, because uh, CSU's offensive struggles last year, you know, they kind of leaned on the run game, controlled the clock, play keep away a little bit, and it limited the plays against a bit. So CSU, um, 
is giving up or whatever you want to call it. Opponents have at, are averaging 10 more plays per game this year than last year. Um, more possessions, you know, last week, for instance, Utah State had uh, 17 drives. They had 50 first half plays. And so you're kind of speaks to Tyler's depth point of you're getting gassed. And part that's partly why you're rolling in different guys and they're just not able to sustain. And they've been really aggressive. Um, and it's almost like uh, sprinting. You can run a 100. You can, you know, you can sprint a 200. You can sprint a 400. You can't really sprint an 800 because those last uh, that's that last little bit you're going to be completely gassed. So Freddie was talking about you know, almost having you know sort of altering the style of you need to uh, change a little bit to make sure you can sustain through a game because um, they're having these key points where they're just getting gashed because uh, they can't keep up you know with the the pseudo you know the so-called pace of the game if you will. Um, and you know, some of the players have talked about almost, uh, kind of individualistic play of guys over playing, you know, being overly aggressive to try and make the big play and therefore getting burned. Whereas, you know, Hey, sometimes it's okay to give up an eight, 10, 12 yard gain, but make sure it doesn't turn into a 40, 50 yard gain. Like I said, college football, the way it is today, you're going to give up yards, uh, but you can't keep giving up, you know, all those huge plays that that we reeled off earlier. So it's 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 just tying in the the, um, the individuals together and how to play, and you know, probably when the right time to make the aggressive play is, and when time when the right time to be you know safe is. Um, so I guess the good thing, if we you know want want to talk optimism, is these are fixable things. Like I say, it's not like you have a horrendous roster. Yes, you have you know, some deficiencies, no doubt, but you can improve some of this and, and, you know, get your defense more tied in and, and in rhythm with the game, but it's, it's kind of a whole mess of things. And, um, you know, I think we have to talk in complimentary football. You have to point the offense a little bit too. If you're turning it over at that rate, that puts your defense in some bad spots as well. And, um, again, it's not excuse for what the defense did, but the offense should have buried that Utah state game in the first quarter. Um, so it's it's a lot of things going together uh, that need to be fixed. But I, you know, I, I think it's a, a weird mix of things. But, but yeah, they're they're almost overly aggressive at times in trying to make the big home run type of defensive play. Well, and like ironically, even when they have offensive success, they're still hurting the defense at times just because a lot of their their success has come on through the big plays. So, you know, they're not spending a lot of time on the field. You're sending a gassed unit back out there. I don't know. It's just interesting. I I do think that is a factor in it. And I think it's probably a a part of the inconsistency as well, where you see them flash for a couple drives. And then, you know, like this last week, if you're going three and out constantly or turning it over and then constantly just sending the defense out. And then even like when you, you make a play, it's a punt return for a touchdown and the defense has to go right back out there. It's just Utah, been Utah a State weird had spot. nine minutes possession in the first quarter. So again, it was great. And I to think have Utah Tech did but... too, like the week yeah. before. So it's it's just a weird spot you're in. Even when you're having success, you're still kind of putting your defense in a weird spot. That's like, why you're seeing a lot of rotation too, is like one, some of these young guys are starting to take jobs of the older guys, but two, I think it is trying to build some of this depth of you know, you need more than 11 because you can't have 11 dudes play 80 plays on defense. 
Well, in this complimentary football thing, it's it's also when you have that going on, it's also our style of offense is almost counterproductive because we're trying yeah. to run at a pace. We're not staying on the field enough and we're we're running at a, a fast pace. So the defense is back out there, especially when we're not picking up first down. So there's a lot of factors going on with why the defense is Mike, do you have anything else to add on the on the defense? Tyler, I know you've talked about the depth. You know, I mean, everything that they just said. Yeah, when you go three and out, three and out, three and out, turnover, quick turnover, quick score. Yeah, they're on the field. But again, that's we we, we practice against ourselves, and and we have a high we have a high paced, fast paced offense. So, you know, the Utah State announcers kept on talking about their defense and how that's what they practice against all the time. But again, I mean, they were forcing three and outs, and we weren't. We get we 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 gotta we gotta stop him on third down. We gotta stop that big play. And, and Kevin, those those numbers that you just gave, that's that is just mind blowing. But you go back, you go back to those games. You go back to Washington State whenever they really opened up that opened up the game in the third quarter. It, it was that. You go back to Boulder. You know that especially that last drive. I mean, that's what it was to, to win that game and. Well, we saw Saturday night. We 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 have to limit that, and and yeah, I, I mean, you have to make that stop. And, and and watching our defense back to again, they they just seem like they're always out of position, like or they're confused on where they're supposed to be. If, if they're supposed to be in a zone, if they're supposed to be in a man, they're just kind of running around whenever the ball snapped, and, and we're not set. And yeah. it, 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 they're killing us. Teams are teams are killing us because of that. There was certainly a lot of uh, the defense looking to the sideline last week, trying to get the play in or trying to get, you know, substitutions in and all that kind of stuff. And that certainly didn't help. But, you know, I look at the last four weeks and I see a tale of two defenses, right? I, I see CU where you saw gang tackling, right? Guys were playing together. They were hitting as hard as they could. They had, you know, that, that emotion that came with the CU fan that came with the CU game was in every single play out there. Right. And the last three games, right. Guys are playing individually, right? Um, you know, a guy gets burned. You don't have another guy right there to, to help him out, right? It, it just seems like it's night and day between the two. Definitely is. All right, so a uh, couple more questions here just on uh, what's going on with this team. Uh, on the other side of the ball, the offensive line has looked drastically better than it did last year. Good pass protection, but we just cannot get a surge in the run game. You know, I don't know if it's just the difference in skill. You know, obviously there, there's two different skills there. One, you're you're moving guys moving forward, and the other you're dropping back and and keeping leverage and and trying to keep your feet and your balance and and get in front of a guy trying to get to your quarterback. But we're doing well in that area, but we're not doing well in the other area. So what what is going on with us not being able to run the ball? I would say um, it's a couple things. One, all the running backs are hurt, which does not help. Avery Morrow obviously hasn't played. Kobe Johnson did play, but is not fully healthy. Uh, Van Shield, you know, you have a walk-on plane. He even got banged up in that game. Damian Henderson is hurt. So that obviously does not help when none of your running backs are healthy. And then two, yeah, I think your point of it's kind of two different skills is really good one. The O linemen that are really good at run blocking and pass blocking are first and second round NFL draft picks because it's hard to be good at both. And so when you're rebuilding a roster, which obviously CSU had to the O line room, I think there's a pretty good argument was the worst off. Um, ironic giving the last coaching staff, but I think it's true. 
And so when you're rebuilding for an air raid, you're going to, your first priority is going to be get guys that pass block. And I think they've done that. Um, I think this group is pretty good there. Um, so yeah, I think it's just a matter of it's not many teams do both really well. And when you're in a rebuild, you're going to go with, you know, whatever your main strength has to be. And, you know, for this offense it has to be pass blocking. And so that's where it is right now. And, and I think they will improve at run blocking, both just cohesion of a, a unit together. And then two, in theory, hopefully you'll get healthy at running back and, and be able to be better there. Cause you know, Van shield is an awesome story. It's really cool when he, does what he does but you know i think ideally you have you know other guys getting you know a lot of reps out there so i I think it's combo of those couple things justin yeah i think kevin pretty much nailed it on the head um i do think just the lack of continuity has been an issue in terms of you know having to rotate all these different guys nobody's really been able to get into a rhythm um i do think the predictability of some of the calls at times I, i think is something you could could bring up as fair criticism. Um, one of the things that's been interesting to me is we saw them run the ball pretty successfully out of the pistol last year, and we haven't really seen them go to that this year. And I, I've talked to Mummy about it. Like the reason they did it is they found at Nevada that they're able to have more success with that ground game. And a lot of those Norvell offenses actually ran the ball pretty decent, despite the fact that they were known for being the vertical passing offense. I don't know, you know, maybe you shake some things up in terms of what you're trying to do. But yeah, I think the biggest thing is just your best guys are injured at the moment. I mean, your top three backs are all down. You've got a, a new O-line who, while their their strength is probably pass blocking, but that was also probably the biggest focus, you know, going back to the spring ball, when you think about just the issues this team had in pass pro last year. And I think some of that was on the quarterback too, holding on to the football, but I just think the biggest focus was we have to be able to throw the football. They've been able to do that. Now you have time to kind of tinker with it, but it's an issue. I mean, it's certainly almost cost them against middle Tennessee state. I think the fact that they can't run the ball consistently did hurt them in a major way against Boulder. And I mean, it's going to cost continue to cost them if they can't figure it out a little bit. And you guys that are around the program every day, um, do we have an update? I haven't seen anything today uh, on Tory or Mo. Nothing new right now. Jay said Monday that he's hopeful to have them both. Um, uh, Mo was uh, dressed for practice, but probably not you know full participant, if you will. Tory was not dressed, um, so we'll we'll see. I'll ask him again tomorrow after practice. Frankly, I wouldn't be surprised if this is one that we don't necessarily know for sure until um you know warm up time especially Tori you know that was a, a headshot obviously those are um were they both know, uncertain I think Mose yeah I think Mose was too um Jay, Jay hasn't said anything specifically on what they were Tori's you know I think was pretty clear based on the play which I know you know this kind of here nor there now but I don't know how that wasn't targeting but that's a different conversation so Jay seemed cautiously optimistic but no definitive answer right now and how about um Avery Morrow and any change there he's it's still probably a few weeks couple weeks away yeah yeah right right back room is beat up um Avery yeah he's he's not practicing yet so he he's still you know probably not available Kobe, like I say, played but is not fully healthy or, or probably even close to it. Van got you know dinged up. He w- he was practicing today, but he um, 
has an injury now too. Damien, they're hoping to have back. He he he's been you know at least partially practicing. Hope to have him. And then, um, am I missing anyone? No, might we see KJ Edwards this week? Or yeah, yeah. So he got in. He got some carries late in the game, and Jay kind of highlighted him again um, Monday as a guy that we might see more again. I think that's speaking to the injuries. Justin Marshall dressed um, for the game, another true freshman. Um, I believe that was the first time he had been part of the travel party and dressing, which, again, just speaks to all these injuries. That that running back room is pretty decimated right now. So um, all those are somewhat to be determined. I, I think I would safely – you can safely say Avery's out. Everyone else, it's uh, – I'll, I'll see what the update is tomorrow, but uh, we'll see what warm-ups look like Saturday. It's It's kind of crazy how that room has gotten beat up. Yeah, kind of what I've heard. I wouldn't expect Avery before November. I mean, we'll see, I guess, on how this plays out. But yeah, and he's still not doing, you know, on field workouts during practice or anything. You know, he's still kind of the sweatsuit team. Thank you for that update. Last couple questions here, and then we'll go through kind of a rapid fire thing. I, I think you know, we all know that Tori's got an extra year of eligibility. He's had a tremendous year, obviously. He's opened a lot of eyes. Do you think it's a foregone conclusion that he's going to go to the NFL after this season or what are you hearing? I think it's most likely just based on where his draft projection will be, because I think he's a top 100 pick. I think he has a chance to be a top 75 pick. And frankly, if he was at a bigger school and there was more NIL in the picture, then I think it maybe becomes a a bit of a debate, but I just think with where he's very likely going to go, I would be very surprised if he, if he's back. You never know, though. I mean, he has unpromptedly brought up that he has a next year of eligibility multiple times. Yeah. And his family is is very tight with the Norvells. And I think that's a big part of it as well. The the parents, you know, are not in a rush for him to go. He's a younger guy, so he has more time to wait. I mean, he's only like 21 years old. Like, it's not like he's a 23, 24 year old guy who has to to get out. But I also think a a lot is going to be based on how these next couple months go. Like if you respond really strong down the stretch and you feel like you're going to be a championship contending team next year, that's probably an easier, you know, sell on, Hey, why don't you come back? See if you can be the conference player of the year, play your way into the first round versus, you know, if you miss the postseason again and it's, Hey, help us snap this bowl streak, get us to the new Mexico bowl. I don't know if that's a, exactly a, a selling point. I'd echo everything. Justin said, Jay, yeah, at media days, so, you know, said to me and Justin, like, hey, you know, Tori's got two years left. And I, I had a chance to talk to Tori's family, his, his parents, one of his sisters, one of his brothers, awesome people, superb family. And yeah, I think all those things are true. But I think it's last week, Jay, I wrote down the quote. Um, someone, I forget the exact context about the conversation, but talking about Tori said, you know, he ain't going to be around here much longer. I'd like to say he would, but I'm not sure about that, which tells me NFL scouts, uh, are telling Jay like, oh yeah, we, we like this guy. So he he might be playing himself uh, up the draft board. So you never know because yeah, I think all those points about family and loyalty are are very very true and very valid in his age. Um, but if if you're going to be a, a second round pick, uh, it might be foolish to not go. Yeah, you know that was one of the things that he told he told me at the uh, recruiting the recruiting event at Denver Country Club in February. He like like Justin said. He brought up the fact that he has two years left. That this wasn't going to be, he, you know, he wasn't going to be like a true senior season. That he had two more years left. But he also said that 
you know, unless he's going to be a uh, first or second round pick that he would be coming back. But yeah, Kevin, I think you're right. I think he's playing his, his himself into that second or uh, first or second round. Well, I want to get each of your opinions on this uh, slight change in direction here, but this is such a hot topic on Ram nation and among our fans. And I'm not sure that it, this is the way it is everywhere, but a lot of people that don't like our athletic director. <laughs> and um, I mean, even after games, the first thing out of someone's mouth is fire Joe, you know, it's like, like he had something to do with the loss on the field that night. Uh, but you know, just curious. I mean, he, I, in my opinion, he's done a lot of good things, but at the end of the day, football is the the golden goose and under his watch football has not been great. Do you think it's time for a new athletic director at CSU? It's a tough call. I mean, yeah, I, I, I totally agree with you of it's pretty silly. The single game uh, rage at the athletic director, you know, the athletic director, no matter who it is, has nothing to do with the pass defense, the play calling, this or that. So, so I, I always find those, I guess, just amusing, but big picture. Yeah. I mean, football is the ticket and football has been bad um, in the Joe Parker era. You know, again, game to game, that's not all his fault. There are so many mitigating factors, but you know, you're in a high profile position and um, the, the biggest thing hasn't been a successful thing. Um, There have been, I always say when people ask me about about Joe, I say his CSU legacy is complicated. There, are, you know, a number of quite good things and you know a number of, of bad things. It's um, it's a tricky one. You know, I you know from a reporting standpoint, I certainly don't feel there's a move um, for a change. I think um, Tony Parker or Tony Parker. I'm just uh, mixing people together. Tony Frank and Joe Parker uh, get along well, and uh, Tony likes him in that role. It seems like. Uh, kind of in that vein aligned with um, Amy Parsons at president. So I certainly don't expect any change. I mean, it's hard, it's hard for me to say, I don't think it's really my spot to say if there should be a a change. Um, But no doubt you have to, you know, football has to succeed. Um, You just cannot, especially with, with investment put in, you cannot continue to not succeed. It it has to happen. And, you know, I, I still think, you know, I think there's the right staff, um, you know, head coach to do it. I think it will get there, but um, there's no doubt. There's just some, I don't even know the right word. uh, Just this angst that does end up flowing uphill to Joe because of so many, you know, some of those negative things that have happened during his tenure that there is a little bit of toxic level to, or disconnect between the athletic department and the fan base that I'm not sure if it's fixable. Yeah. I think the biggest argument for why there should be change, if you feel that way is the disconnect between Joe Parker and CSU's fan base. It, it just feels like a relationship that cannot be repaired at this point. And I don't know. I I just think that's an issue in college sports, especially when you're so dependent on community engagement and community support and donations and people being engaged and and being excited for the future. And I think the the biggest piece of criticism I would have towards Joe's tenure as AD is that he's done a pretty poor job of inspiring the fan base and getting them, you know, energized for CSU athletics. And I think there are things he gets criticized for that are completely unfair. I think there are things that 
he doesn't take blame for that he should. But I, I just think that at the end of the day, I don't know if this is something that can be fixed, this relationship between him and the CSU fans. And they don't like him. And honestly, I think he's made it pretty clear he doesn't like CSU fans at times based on some of the stuff he said, even, you know, on your podcast. And, you know, just the opinions don't matter. And, you know, talking about stuff like that, you know, and I, I don't know. I will say, like Kevin said, based on everything that I have heard, I would not expect a change. I think there are times that because people get so frustrated with him, they try and place blame on him that that's unfair, but it's, it's alarming to me as somebody who, you know, is, is obviously very dependent on CSU athletics mattering. Like it, it's, it's unnerving that there's this much of a disconnect between the fans and, you know, the head of the athletic department. Well, this might, yeah, this might surprise a lot of people, but my answer is actually going to be, yeah, I do think it's time for a new AD. Um, but the reason why is um, because when I look at, at Joe and I look at where CSU's at, I'm not sure there's a whole lot more that Joe can do for CSU. And I don't think there's a whole lot that CSU can do for Joe Parker's career, right? You know, CSU to, you know, the Pac-2 or Pac-12, whatever it's going to be, right, is what it is. He can, you know, be part of that, right? But we're not going to go to one of these power four conferences, right? His career is basically at this point, live or die based on how Jay Norvell does. Right. So there's not a whole lot that he can, I think, inspire into the athletic department at this point that he hasn't already brought. And, and, you know, I think he's done a lot of great for the athletic department. Um, you know, we look at scheduling, right. I mean, but most of all that stuff is already set, right. Medved set, you know, we got all our coaches are set, right? So at this point, for me, it, it's almost like, you know, Joe, if, if you have an opportunity to go to a, one of those power four schools, take it, right, for your own career, right? And for CSU, I think that's a good thing for CSU just to get somebody else in there that, you know, sees things a little bit differently and can um, look at look at things differently and, and build things differently um, and just get a new set of eyes on some things, a new set of a leadership in, so. Mike, moment of truth. Hold on, I got to clean this corn out of my teeth. You know, I, I tell Joe, I tell Joe to stop eating corn. Um, <laughs> shout out to the message board, right? Um, I'm going to say this before I give my answer. Joe is like probably 95 percent of all other athletic directors out there in, in the NCAA. No one's hit his problem is he came after Jack Graham, who is one of the best ambassadors for CSU. I always called him the best cheerleader that CSU ever had. He is dynamic, and he loves CSU. And Joe is not that. Joe is not dynamic at all. His other thing is, is he does open himself up. Like, how many yeah. other athletic directors come on with a couple fans like like Joel and I? And, <laughs> and he does it. You know, and he reached out to us, you know, Joe, I know Joel asked him a few times, like, hey, come on with us, come on with us. And when he finally did a year after we had started, he reached back out to us and was like, hey, I want to do this on a regular basis. Like, I want to talk to, I want our fans to know what's going on. Athletic directors don't do that. And so because of this, because he, he, he puts himself out there, he sets himself up to, 
And I've said it before, he comes across condescending. He comes across as an academic, even though he's a better athlete than probably 90, 90% of the people on our message board, 90% of the people that bash him on, on Twitter. He was a Division One athlete. But that's how he comes across. And it, it, it has driven a wedge. You know, people still talk about the lean-in letter. And, Joel, Joel, you and I met with him in person the week before that letter came out. And we told him, like, you can't keep Joe, uh, Mike Bobo. It, it, it's not working. You have to get rid of it. And he comes out and, you know, we're keeping him. Uh, you got to lean in. He, you know, he tells his fan base. And, and you know, he, he, you know, now he's kind of trolling us with the ec- ecosystem. Right. Uh, you know, but I mean, he sets himself up to, to, to take those hits. He's done a lot of good for CSU athletics. I mean, the, the facilities from track to the new locker rooms for men and women's basketball, for volleyball, for the, the women's complex for, for soccer and, and softball, you know, obviously uh, Canvas Stadium. If we don't have, if we don't go to a bowl this year, Amy needs to take a deep look and see: is it time for that change? Um, if we do, you know, I think we we get we have to ride out to see if, if Jay could take it to the next level. But if we don't make that bowl, Amy needs to make that decision, and, and, and she needs to do it quickly. For me, I there, you know, there's there hasn't been an AD that I haven't liked, you know, that's come through since we've been followers of CSU that includes some that weren't all that great at ADs. Mark Driscoll comes to mind and I really like him as a person, but um, I think we've had a lot of good humans in that position. I think Joe is one of them. I think he and Jen are great ambassadors for the university. I think you know they have had kids go through the university um, and he loves it here. Well, he said he wants to retire here, right? Uh, I think that he's done a lot of good things, as you mentioned, Mike. There's there's also some not so good things that, um, you know, that, but that also happens everywhere, right? That you have some up and down yeah. years. Unfortunately, we haven't had any good football years since he's been here. Um, football drives the bus. We've been dreadful. The extension to Bobo was a bad decision. Turned out to be, um, you could argue at the time, was it realistically a logical decision? Maybe, but it turned out bad, right? You made the wrong call. The hire of Adazio was not only uninspiring, but it was like deflating to the fan base right off the bat. So um, it was a baffling choice and it proved to be as awful as we all expected. You could argue that Joyce led that. I don't know, but um, I, I do think the hire of Jay Norvell is a good one, though. The verdict is still out on that. So we'll see. But if he fails and if he doesn't get things going here in the next couple of years, there's no way that Joe could survive that, right? I, frankly, I was surprised he survived after some of the investigations, you know, that happened by the Coloradoan that, you know, the reporting of the Coloradoan and then the, the, the ensuing investigations by the university, you know, at the beginning of Adazio's tenure and then some of the stuff during COVID and all that was on top of the bad football. So I just think that football is too important. We've missed, uh, we, we basically dropped the ball during the most important time in college football for realignment and us sucking in football has really cost us the potential for hundreds of million dollars in revenue, you know, by not being an expansion candidate. So I think, frankly, football has got to climb very fast. And and I, I agree, Mike, he doesn't do himself some favors with some of the things he says. I, he compares things to other places that he's been. You know, he, he mentioned that, hey, at Texas Tech, 
you know, they're on an island. It takes five hours for everyone to get there and they still sell it out, um, you know, even in down years. And, you know, CSU needs to to lean in and do the same thing. And it's, it's, it's different, though. You know, we don't have the history. You know, we don't have the history, the winning history. We don't have the tradition history. We don't have the same schedule that they do where every week there's a, a big time football program coming to your campus. Right. So it's all those things. And they're playing it, you know, in the, the, the day and we're playing at eight o'clock at night. You know, there's things that factor into why our fans and why why we struggle in certain aspects as fans that that frankly, he should just say, look, it's our job to put a better product on. And we know that that once we do that, fans will show up. And and then I think people would 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 lay off him a little bit more. But anyway, so I appreciate you guys' feedback there. And I know we've gone a, a really long time here, but before we go, I just kind of wanted to do a rapid fire and get your your opinions on just uh you know a couple words here. Um we'll go like in an order. We'll go Mike, Justin, Kevin, and then I'll chime in every now and then. But um so just you know I'll throw it out there and you guys can uh, rapid fire give me your responses just a few words. You don't need to explain yourself. First thing I'll I'll ask is uh, Mike will CSU beat Boise State for the first time in history on Saturday night? No. Justin. Justin. No. <laughs> that was not rapid no. fire, buddy. There was a, no, a lot of thought going in there. <laughs> he, he wanted to fire away there, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Kevin. No. Tyler. No. And I hate it, but no. <laughs> Screw Freaking you guys. hate him. I'm saying we win. We're going to shock it. All right. There you go, Joel. All right. I love it. All right. What grade do you guys give the coaching staff uh, now that we're more than a third of the way through the season? Mike. Offense, C minus. Defense, D plus. Special teams, A. Yes. Justin. I'll just say a. Uh... C overall. I think the offensive improvement and special teams improvement is significant, but the, the defense is probably an F for a D minus. So, you know, right in the middle, kind of split the average. Yeah. Uh, I'll just go C overall. Tyler. I'll go a C minus. I think offense is C, C plus. Special teams is an A. They're doing great. Uh, defense, I would almost give an F just because the expectations were so high of how well they would do, and they're not anywhere close. I would give a C as well, uh, so I'm right in line with most of you. All right, so you have to give a lifetime contract to one football coach on staff. Who would it be? Finley. Hmm. Savage. Savage. Savage, my other one. I was going to go with Perry, so – I had Savage as well, and I would have said uh, there were too many Savages. I was also going to say Tommy Pierre. I thought he's done a, a pretty good job getting the off, uh, getting the special teams going. So, all right, this and one is special teams coach. So, which is I know nice. we don't always have, have <laughs> special teams coaches at CSU. Yeah, all right, so this one this one isn't very nice, but all right, if you have to fire one coach, say Amy Parsons said, "Look, we need to save some money. You got to fire one football coach. Who would you fire?" Man, mummy. Justin? Uh, probably Finley, but only because I think what he serves is also can be replicated by Savage and other people just in terms of recruiting ties and just from a positional standpoint. I mean, he's here to recruit. There's a couple of guys that are here to recruit. I wouldn't fire anybody on the staff, being honest, right. but I'm trying not to cop out of the answer. Right. 
We're not yeah, advocating yeah. for anyone's firing. This is just an exercise. Kevin? Exactly. I, I'm not saying we need to fire Mummy. Throwing that out there. I just had to pick someone. I'm going to text him. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I wouldn't either, but I'd go Marcus Patton because Frey Banks is a, a DB's coach and he could just cover the unit. Um, I'm going to say Billy Best. I mean, we obviously need an offensive line coach, but I've been very underwhelmed. And I think when your head coach has to go out and physically recruit every offensive lineman to make sure uh, you got an offensive line the next year, I feel like there's a huge opportunity that your offensive line coach can't do that himself. So I was wondering if someone was going to say him, I was going to say mummy as well, just because basically Jay is the offensive coordinator. So, um, exactly. So, uh, <laughs> MVP for the season so far. Tori, Tori. Uh, yeah. I mean, those are the easy answers, but, um, you got I'll horse. say Dallin Holker. I think what he opens up the offense in a major way. Yeah. Tori. Okay. Yeah. Tori for sure. I want to change my answer. Patty Turner. <laughs> hey, that, that's not a bad pick. It's not a bad I pick. Messaged, hey, I messaged. I, I wrote Patty. that story. I told, I told you all he, Tad, Patty was going to be good. Yeah. He was our best offense on Saturday. Mm-hmm. He was trolling so people funny story. on Twitter the other night. Last funny night. story. Um, at the hotel before the game, I sat down with Patty, and he told us that they had a plan for how they're going to boink it off of the back of one of the Utah State players for a recovery. And sure enough, that's first damn play. (laughs) I saw your recap. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, I would say Giles Pooler. (laughs) I got Giles. I love it. (laughs) Hey, you have have two pass throwers that are 100% this year. Yeah. Torrey and Giles. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. Best player surprise of the year. Patty. Patty. We're talking surprise, surprise. Yeah. Um, so so Hulk would probably be a good one here as well. well actually, I, think I mean, I voted both. in first team all conference. Um, I'll say Justin Sanchez. I'm gonna go BFN, right? I mean, he wasn't expected to be the starting quarterback, and uh, sure, he had one bad game, but uh, he's been uh, pretty awesome other than that. I mean, yep, Kevin, did I'll you- go, I'll, I'll go Jordan Noise. I mean, uh, he had pretty limited. Field goal kicking, and he's been solid. Yeah, I had BFN and Patty on my list as well as Dallin. So hey, uh, Lewis Brown as well, receiving wise, he's been good. Okay, so uh, does Jay Norvell retire from CSU, get hired away, or get fired eventually? We got to answer this one today. Come on, Mike. They don't call uh, it the hot seat for nothing, man. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna say he gets hired away. It almost happened last year. Hmm. From what I've heard. Hired away. Devin? I, I think he'll succeed and I wanna say hired away, but most coaches just end up fired because that's the nature of college football. So I'm going to say longer tenure here, but fired because that's what happens. That's exactly what my response was gonna be, Kev. I'm with you. Just because that's our history. Tyler, I'll be different. I'm going to say he retires. He's next, Sonny. He'll retire. Long tenure at CSU. We can only hope. God, that would be great, wouldn't it? Uh, will he win a conference championship at CSU, Mike? No. You suck. Justin. Yeah. Kevin. I'm going to say yes, too. 
If he's retiring at CSU, I'm saying, yeah, he wins at least one. So I have him. I have him as a yes. Also, uh, how many years will he be at CSU? Counting these two. Yeah. Total years, total tenure. Four. Oh my God. Oh man, Mike, that's rough. Mike is down on the staff. One or the other. Justin. He's going to get hired away. I'm going to say six. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Let's see. Let's see. I said he'll succeed by get fired, which means it has to be kind of long. Uh, nine. I said uh, if he retires at CSU, I'm saying then he's going to 70, so I'll say 11. All right. I had him at eight. All right. Uh, bowl game or no bowl game this year? Yes. Bowl game. New Mexico, we're coming. Yeah. Albuquerque. Yep. Yeah, I keep so saying six and six. I keep saying six and six. So I'll say it till I'm blue in the face. So yeah, bowl. Right. I said seven wins this year, including a bowl game, which would be six and six. So I'm thinking I'm going to say bowl game. I'm worried this this game that we just lost though is going to be the difference one way or the other potentially. But I'll, I'll stick with it and say bowl game. Okay. Uh, I have yes. All right. Tough one. Would you take Deion Sanders as CSU's coach right now? No. Not at all. Justin. Uh yeah. But I me personally, like it's not my style, but I mean from a recruiting prowess, you I I think you would have to. Kevin. Yeah, uh, I mean from if a you're standpoint, you guys would be <laughs> I'd hate it. It would be an absolute I mean there there's good and bad. Uh viewership up, access down. Yeah. Um so yeah, from that standpoint, uh, probably no. But yeah, if you're if you're a university, the dollar bills that that can come with that, I think it'd be hard to say no. Tyler, not a chance. Yeah, not a chance. I, nothing I, I about also, yeah. that I want part of. So yeah, I also don't think it would work um, here. Nope. Yeah, uh, I, I'm in line with Kevin's response as well. So um, how about same question, Craig Bull? Ten years ago, yes. <laughs> no, because I think his style of football has a ceiling in twenty twenty three. Good answer. For for a one season, if it's hey, we have to make a bowl this season, or else we get kicked out of FBS. Yes, but but long term, yeah, no. Partially age and partially, like Justin says, there's a ceiling there. Yeah, uh, I, I'm with everybody else. I, I would say no. I mean such a boring brand of football they you know haven't ever had double digit wins they might get that this year but i mean our i'm looking for a higher ceiling than what they're doing in wyoming so oh you think our fans lose their minds now they would first oh, six and six season they would just crucify craig bowl so um what's fascinating didn't they only have like twenty thousand for the fresno game uh-huh did that's they? very strange to me it was a you know good kick time too it's not like it was a late night and not at not at twenty four for Texas Tech, I think. Yeah, strange. Our last couple basketball, CBI, NIT, NCAA, no postseason. Tourney, we're going. Uh I'm hoping for NCAA tournament. I'm going to say right now, NIT. Yeah, I'm kind of there. I think it's a fringe NCAA tournament team. NCAA tournaments are really hard. To get to, they'll be in the mix, but safe safe call of NIT right now. 
I'm going to go NCAA tournament. I think there's too many veterans on this team, and I think they're going to have much better defense. And I, with Isaiah healthy, I, I just expect there to be some really good basketball play. I'm, I'm really excited this year. There's some to be said for a Zay revenge farewell tour. Yep. yep. In Isaiah, we trust is my response. Give me NCAA and a top four finish in the league. Uh, will we beat CU at Moby? Who wants to go first? You. Yes. We're, get, we're, we're doing it. Justin. Yeah, I'm going to say they are. I think CU is a little bit overhyped, and I, I think – the revenge factor will be for real. I mean, that game in Boulder was a nightmare last year. So I, I think you'll you'll have a pretty fired up Rams squad. We'll see whether that benefits them or hurts them. Nate's going for 20. Scott's going for 15 and 10. All right. I like it. I get a whole stat line here. Love it, Mike. Yeah, I just said Zay Revenge Tour. Uh, that is one of the, the main games in that. So I have to say CSU wins a full Zay mode game. Yep, I think we win. At, you know, nothing tad uh, chokes under the hype. I mean, there's not a bigger coaching choke artist in under the hype than Tad Boyle, I think, right now. So um, I think CSU is going to do win that game and win that pretty handily. And I say yes as well. So, uh, all right, boys. Really enjoyed that. I know it was long. Appreciate you guys staying for all this time. Got two of the, the best news coverage guys that CSU has and two of the best fans. So and, and Kevin and, and Justin were here, so that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that's true, Mike. I uh, appreciate you guys. Thanks for all you guys do, and uh, love the coverage, love the conversation, and uh, hope that there's something fun for us to watch Saturday night. Thanks for having us, guys. It's fun chatting. All right, boy. Thanks all. Go Rams, right? Go Rams. Go Rams.